Hello and welcome to Recovery Corner, where we introduce you to those who are making a difference to help people navigate the road to recovery. I'm Thomas Becker with AverHealth, and today we're celebrating treatment court graduates ahead of the annual NADCP RISE National Conference this month. Recently, we hosted a webinar with some inspirational stories from treatment court graduates, and today you'll get to hear from Destiny Garcia of Salt Lake City, Utah, and she's joined here by Alicia Salinas of Salt Lake County's Criminal Justice Services. Welcome to you both. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Destiny, we'll start with you. During the recent webinar, you spoke so so bravely about your past drug use and and um, and the challenges of the past. So take us t- back in time a little bit. What was life like for you a number of years ago? Well, I was completely hopeless, broken, lost. I didn't have any determination. Uh, my drug addiction started with an abusive relationship. And even though I was being prescribed opiates for legitimate injuries, um, I used those opiates to numb everything else that was going on in my life and the abuse and the mental abuse. Um, So I was lost. I didn't know how to get help. I didn't know there was help out there, but I did know I didn't want to live that life anymore. I was uh, homeless downtown Salt Lake for about five years, um, shooting up meth and heroin every few hours, I was arrested with no shoes on my feet. So that should tell you how down and out that I was. So uh, fast forward a little bit, tell us how you got into a treatment court and, and what that experience was like, certainly coming from the streets like that. Well, you know, I'm a low level offender. So most of my criminal charges, well, all of my criminal charges were misdemeanors. They consist of traffic violations, paraphernalia charges, criminal trespass fast charges. And every time I would go into jail, I would just cycle in and cycle out because I didn't qualify for a felony drug court program. Um, But out here in Salt Lake City, uh, the government decided to do a sweep in our downtown streets. It was called Operation Rio Grande. And with that sweep, they had tons of money for funding for people who were arrested to go to treatment. So I was able to go into uh, drug court with my misdemeanor charges with that funding, as well as uh, going to an inpatient treatment program. So that operation really saved my life. It gave me the opportunity and the help that I needed. Yeah. Tell me about the benefits then for you of treatment court, the accountability, the drug testing, everything that that helped keep you uh, keep you on the whole. Oh man, I'm a huge fan of treatment court. And I'll tell you that when I first, my very first day went into treatment court, I tried to opt out because everybody that I had met in jail was saying, don't do it. Don't do it. It's so hard. You won't, you won't be able to complete. And I remember trying to opt out. And I remember my legal defender, Deborah Mendez, sitting me down and saying, okay, so we're not going to allow you to opt out. <laughs> You're going to have to do the program. And, I'll, and I'm so glad that I did. Uh, the combination of the drug court program with my uh, treatment program just retaught me all the skills that I knew that I had. I wasn't always an addict. I wasn't always a homeless IV user, uh, but I forgot what it was like to be normal. So drug court reminded me what it was like to be accountable, to go to work every day, to have accountability and consequences when needed. It retaught me everything that I completely forgot about myself. I don't think I would be where I am today without that drug court program. And that's uh, that's what we want to hear. That is um, a similar story to so many people uh, and, and all those great folks doing the hard work 
for for the clients in treatment court. And Alicia, tell us a little bit about your role uh, and and how did you get to know Destiny? Sure. Yeah. I am a clinical case manager for uh, criminal justice services working in the specialty courts. And so my role as a clinical case manager, I'm a clinician and um, assessing the participant needs and uh, broking broker referrals for indicated services, uh, coordinating care between our, our partner agencies, and then I report progress to our, the rest of our team and to the court. Um, and kind of like Destiny had said, you know, uh, there was a Operation Rio Grande came about and there, we had already had a couple of specialty courts up and going and, um, you know, with the different fundings coming together, they created this new court and I had the opportunity to be the clinical case manager in that court and, and see it from the beginnings. And that's how I became to know Destiny. I was assigned as her clinical case manager and I was able to see her, um, you know, get started in treatment. And I was reporting her progress in court and saw her from start to finish, go into Odyssey House and residential and then go to IOP and really, you know, just do amazing things in the the year that she was with us, which, you know, not all, not all people can do it in a year, but she definitely took the opportunity that she was given and she really made the, the best of it. It's amazing to see when clients do that. It really is. And, and for anyone who has seen a, a drug court uh, or tre- any treatment court graduation, it really uh, is inspirational. Uh, it's emotional. Uh, and it's something, um, you know, it's something special. Um, and Destiny, what was it like to graduate and feel that you've accomplished that in, as Alicia said, in that year? Yeah. Well, let me tell you that I never went to court willingly until I entered drug court. Like you cannot get me into a courtroom. I mean, when I was arrested, I was arrested on 14 warrants because I never went to court Um, to be able to go into court and feel like they're a family and to be able to get cheered on by your peers and a judge and the prosecutor um, was life changing for me. And then to graduate that program, it, I had never followed through with anything in my life. And this is something I actually followed through with. And what it taught me was to continue to keep following through with everything else in my life after. But what I did learn quickly was that graduation was when the work really started to begin, right? Because you don't have the treatment anymore. You don't have to go answer to the judge anymore. And that's that's when I decided that I was going to keep giving back to the same drug court and go and speak at their graduations and be part of the drug court alumni because those are the things I needed to do to stay connected. And it helps other people stay connected after they graduate as well. And you certainly took that to the next level uh, with your work uh, with Clean Slate Utah. How did you become involved with the organization ultimately uh, as its executive director? Well, this, this is a loaded question. So while I was in the drug court program, our county mayor, Ben McAdams, was asking pe- employers throughout the county to hire participants in this drug court program, give these individuals a second chance. Well, somebody asked Mayor McAdams, well, who have you hired? And at that point, he decided he was going to give me a job in the county mayor's office. So I worked there for five years. And during those five years, I um, made some great connections there. And I actually met Noella Sudbury. She was uh, the CJAC director of the Criminal Justice Advisory Council. Mm-hmm. Is that right, Alicia? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was the director there. We became really close as I was working in the mayor's office. She founded Queen Slate, Utah. She asked me to sit on the board. 
So I was a board member for some months. Um, and as I was a board member, I was going through my own expungement process and seeing how difficult it was, how costly it was, how overwhelming it could be. Um, and then I would go different different places and speak with her about my story, about the expungement process, about the cost, try to get funding. So when the opportunity arose for a new executive director, I applied. Uh, there was 35 other people who applied and I was selected. I applied for a job I didn't know how to do. <laughs> Wasn't sure I even knew anything how to direct people in an executive way. That's what I thought it would be. <laughs> um, but it's a brand new nonprofit out here in Utah that helps people clear their criminal records and accesses opportunities. And I think I'm the best fit for it because I've gone through those things. I've hit the barriers. I couldn't get a job. I couldn't get an apartment. Um, so I've been the executive director for now a year and I, I'm finally feeling like my shoes fit me. <laughs> but it's been a, a big learning curve. Um, I like to tell my kids, I think I bossed up a little too much because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but um I love it. I love it. There's great support out here for it. Um, and it's a movement. The clean slate laws are a movement. And it is. And you said you've, you've, uh, you've traveled nationally, uh, in, in, including a visit to Capitol Hill on a number of times, I believe. Um, maybe uh, take us uh, just back a step to, to just give, give a plug for, for the clean slate movement uh, and, and, and where it's at on a national level. So there are 11 states in the nation that have a clean slate law. Utah was the second in the nation to pass that legislation. And what it is, it is an automatic expungement law. So it, it differs from state to state, but in Utah, most low-level misdemeanor records will automatically be expunged without the individual having to do anything at all. Uh, the downside, if you can possibly think of a downside to that, is that there is no direct notification requirement. So the state and the government will not let anybody know that some or all of their criminal record has been expunged. Therefore, restricting that people will still click yes on those boxes of unemployment, housing, food stamps, not knowing that maybe their record had been cleared. So Clean Slate Utah was formed to raise awareness around the Utah Clean Slate Law and then to help people determine if they're going to be eligible for that law. And if they're not, um, give them resources to start the court-based process or obtain a pardon if their record is not going to be clean slate eligible. It seems like a, a very uh, common sense approach, doesn't it, to, to give folks a second chance? Absolutely, because it's not like they commit a crime, go to jail, get out, get it expunged. There is a waiting criteria between three and 10 years. You have to remain crime-free. You have to be off of probation or parole, pay all your fines and fees and restitution, and rechanged your life. So it's not like somebody could do it in a year or two. There's a criteria. Most of these people are still making $10, $12 an hour um, and can't afford an attorney to get an expungement, but they can't get a better job unless they get an expungement. It's like this sick cycle that goes on and on and on. Well, you alluded to it earlier, Destiny, in terms of how your life has changed since, uh, <clears throat> since treatment court. Um, what is life like today? And, and where would you be without treatment court? Well, you know, I sit at my office all the time and think, I knew I wasn't going to be a loser my whole life. I knew I didn't want to be an addict my whole life, but I never, and I knew I could do great things, but I never in my life thought I would be living the life that I live today. I went from literally being homeless with no shoes on my feet to being a homeowner in five years. 
like my, I love my life. There, I don't really have much to complain about at all. I, I work hard. I, I rebuilt most of the relationships in my life. Um, I'm somebody in the community that people can come to. Um, I'm help people like myself every single day start the expungement process and see it through. Um, and I know the importance it is to see things through, you know? I went from, I couldn't even get an apartment when I worked in the mayor's office. <laughs> I was working in the mayor's office, putting the mayor down as my reference. I think these apartments thought I was lying because then nobody ever called him. <laughs> no one ever called him. I couldn't get an apartment. My son had to put it in his name uh, to today where I'm a homeowner, and a 100% independent, financially independent homeowner, um, which is huge, especially for me coming from all the abuse and trauma that I went through. What a great success story. And Alicia, it, it must make you feel good knowing that you played a role in helping Destiny find success. It really does. Um, every time she's, she tells her story, I, I I love being able to have the opportunity to hear it as many times as I do because there, you know, this isn't an easy job and there are a lot of losses, um, but it's it's wins like this. It's, it's clients like Destiny, um, you know, who really take the opportunity that they're given and, you know, they make something they out of their lives and they do so well that it makes this job worth it. And so, yeah, it, it's amazing to hear, you know, all the, all the wins that she has. Great words. Well, thank you both for joining us, Destiny, for again, sharing your story and Alicia for um, telling us, reminding us again of the good work that goes on in treatment courts and the many, many professionals who work day in and day out uh, to, to, better society. Well, I wanted to let you all know to, to check out everhealth.com to see the webinar, to see more of Destiny, and we'll continue this theme in future podcasts to feature other treatment court graduates doing great things. Thanks again, ladies. I appreciate it. Join us again next time on Recovery Corner. Thank you.